Hello everybody, it is Michael here with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I appreciate you guys' support in the first month of 2021, trying to make February a big, big month right here. We got a lot to talk about in this episode. I'm going to be grading every NBA team. I want to talk about the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Bucks, the Hornets. I want to talk about the Celtics, player spotlights on Emmanuel Quickly and Lowry Markinen. And the Matthew Stafford trade. So yeah, let's just get right into it. First thing I want to talk about is me grading every team so far this season. Now, getting this out of the way, this is all relative based on my expectations going into the season. This isn't just going to be how each team is doing. It's all about how much I expected out of them. And for me, C is exactly average my expectations. And then uh, you can tell what it'll go from there. So first starting off with the Atlanta Hawks, I gave them a B minus. It's been a bit of a weird up and down season. Trey Young had some really weird struggles uh, early on in the season, and he's starting to play much more like himself of late, uh, looking like the Trey Young of last year. And they've just had a lot of injuries that they've dealt with. They've had some players be inconsistent, as you expect out of young players. But DeAndre Hunter has been a real, real bright spot for this team. He's been awesome so far and I feel like he's not getting nearly enough recognition one of the best uh, 3D young wings in the league and they just have a lot of uh, bodies on that roster that could do a lot of different things I'm still interested to see when their team is like fully healthy because they've just really struggled to have a stretch of games where everybody on that roster is healthy Uh, but uh, considering that they've done a pretty good job they're starting to play better as of late and yeah, I gave him a B minus, just a little bit above my expectations. Nothing special though. And then for my Celtics, I gave them a C plus. I mean, it's been a bit of a weird season so far. They had some uh, pretty big COVID issues where Jason Tatum had to be out for uh, a good bit. They've missed some role players due to that as well. Kemba Walker's been super up and down uh, ever since he's returned. I think he'll start to get consistent soon. It's just an issue with him coming back from an injury and then him getting into rhythm. I know after that Lakers game. He was receiving a lot of criticism, and I mean, he did miss uh, the big shot, and he had a really rough game that game. Uh, but I think come playoff time, as long as Kemba's healthy, he could still be the guy for us. And at the end of the day, this is a team built around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and those two have been absolutely phenomenal so far this season. Uh, I think the things they need to address most is just consistency uh, on the bench. You got a guy like Jeff Teague, who's just ever since he looked really good at the beginning, he has not looked good since. Uh, and then they got a lot of young guys who are inconsistent. Solid season for them so far, just nothing special. For the Brooklyn Nets, I gave them a C plus. I mean, it's been it's been weird ever since the James Harden trade. Like they're uh, what the third team in the Eastern Conference? No, they're actually the second team in the Eastern Conference, and it just it feels like they are very beatable just due to how bad their defense is. I even saw this thing on Twitter where after the James Harden trade, they've had what would be the best offensive rating in NBA history, but they've also had what would be the worst defensive rating in NBA history, which I think is very, very telling. They had that crazy game against the Wizards uh, recently. That was a really fun one. And even though it was a blast, it does show uh, their issues very clearly on the defensive side of the ball. They're they're just bad on that side, simply enough. They don't have the rim protection, and their wing defense isn't nearly elite enough to make up for that rim protection. So I just gave him a C plus. I mean, uh, I have been impressed by how James Harden has 
uh, just came into this team and pretty early on has fit pretty well. But they do very clearly need to make some significant moves if this roster really wants to go anywhere of significance because the defense is just way too bad to do anything special. But the offense has been ridiculous. Uh, next with the Charlotte Hornets, I give them a B plus. I've been really impressed by the Charlotte Hornets so far this season. Love Lamelo Ball, one of my favorite players in the league, and he definitely deserves to get more minutes. And now that Terry Rozier has an ankle sprain, I'm pretty sure uh, he definitely should be getting more minutes, should be getting more opportunity, and I think he's going to take full advantage of that and play really, really well in those minutes. And Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward has been phenomenal so far this season. He's really looking like an all-star again, and he's had a career year. Uh, he's just got a lot more opportunity than he did in Boston because uh, the wings there aren't nearly solidified uh, as solidified as they are over in Boston. So he's got a lot more uh, responsibility, and he's taken full advantage of that. Uh, I mean, I just really like the construction of this roster. I really like P.J. Washington at the four. It's got a bunch of guys who can play solid minutes. I feel like their coaching is pretty good. And I've really enjoyed watching the Hornets so far this season. And they look like a team who I think could be a fringe playoff team. Even if they're not solidified, I definitely think they can make that play in game. And I could definitely see them making an eighth seed as well. Really like this Hornets team. Next, with the Chicago Bulls, I gave them a B-. Uh, they had a really rough start to the season. Things were not looking good at all. But they've been better as of late. They're still not a great team. And, yeah, they've about met my expectations. But with how bad they started, uh, I thought things were going to really go down for them. And uh, it's definitely been a lot better as of late. Zach Levine has been incredible this season. Larry, Larry Markenden's had a bounce back year. Kobe White's taken a step. Like, overall, the rosters look pretty good. I feel like Billy Donovan's done a, a very good job of coaching this team. They've had some pretty unfortunate circumstances uh, with, like, the Damian Lee buzzer beater at the beginning of the year and that crazy Damian Lillard buzzer beater I guess the Damians just don't like the Bulls because uh, it's really tough to lose a game like that but they've been competing and that's honestly all you want to see out of a young team like this who still has a lot of guys who are going to grow is them being competitive and hopefully being around the play-in spot which the Bulls have been so far this season uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers I gave them a B plus I've been super impressed by it uh, everything from the Cavs so far. I feel like the coaching has been absolutely phenomenal. Colin Sexton uh, has clearly taken a pretty big step and proved me wrong. Uh, I've been super impressed by Colin Sexton so far. Darius Garland has been much better in his second season. Uh, Larry Nance is one of the best role players in the league. Andre Drummond's had a good year. Like Everybody's just been outperforming their expectations in Cleveland, and they've all been playing some really, really good basketball. So I had to give them a B+. They have come down to earth and have definitely had their struggles at times, as you would expect out of a team who really wasn't expected to do anything going into the season. But overall, still super happy and super impressed with what I've seen out of the Cavs so far. For the Dallas Mavericks, I gave them a D. They've been a massive disappointment so far. Uh, the role players and the guys outside of Luka Doncic have almost all been uh, pretty big disappointments. Uh, the three-point shooting on this team, which is what made them such a ridiculous offense in previous years, has been a massive disappointment so far. You're seeing the losses of a guy like Seth Curry, and even though the defense is much better now as they sacrificed a lot of that three-point shooting for the defense, the offense has taken such a big step back. I'm pretty sure they're... Uh, the worst three-point percentage team in the league, at least uh, what I remember, which is just so, so bad. And obviously, Luka has struggled with the three-point shot, but 
He is getting double teamed a lot. And when he's getting double teamed, his teammates just aren't helping him at all, man. And it's really frustrating to watch as a guy who loves Luka and his game to see him constantly hitting guys. And they're just not hitting their shots. And while I do expect it to start to turn up, uh, it is at the end of the day uh, a personnel issue as well. And some of these guys just aren't great shooters. And a lot of these guys are inconsistent as shooters. So they've been really, really disappointing so far this season. That's why I had to give them a D. Uh, for the Denver Nuggets, I gave them a B. They were really struggling at the beginning of the season. Didn't expect it to keep up, though. And they're back to looking like the Denver Nuggets. I mean, they're 12-8 and eight at this point in the season. Uh, fourth seed in the Western Conference, which is about where I expected them to be. I didn't expect them to be like a top seed just due to the loss of Jeremy Grant. Uh, and you've seen that definitely on the defensive side of the ball. But with Jokic at the helm, with Michael Porter Jr. really emerging, and with Jamal Murray as inconsistent as as frustrating as he is, he still is a guy who is a scoring threat who can score from all areas of the floor and can go off any night this offense has been absolutely phenomenal Jokic has had an MVP uh, level season I would definitely give him the MVP so far uh, Joel Embiid has also been ridiculous and the 76ers have really struggled without him but I just think Jokic has been on a whole nother level man Jokic is really cementing himself in the conversation of being a top five player I think we need to start having a conversation of him being better than Anthony Davis him even being better than Giannis I think Jokic is that special he is just literally the perfect offensive player and is good enough on defense as well He's been absolutely phenomenal, and I love MPJ's game. So even though I'm not super confident uh, in them in the playoffs, even though Jokic always turned things up in the playoffs, I'm still worried about them in a close series, having to rely on them to be a good defensive roster. Uh, I've still been super impressed uh, as of late, especially that Jazz win was very, very important as Jokic just killed them. And yeah, I gave them a B. Uh, for the Detroit Pistons, I expected them to be a really bad team. And they've been a really bad team, so I just gave them a C. Uh, they've had some definitely very clear bright spots. Uh, Jeremy Grant has been awesome so far this year. Uh, I really didn't expect Jeremy Grant to take the leap that he did. Obviously, I expected his numbers to be up in a much bigger role, but I expected it to be more around like 20 points on uh, not super great efficiency. But he's been averaging like 24 on really good efficiency, so he's been super impressive. At the end of the day, I just want to see the young guys playing a little bit more for the Pistons. Obviously, Killian Hayes was a disappointment, and he got injured, but like I want to see Sid uh, Sadiq Bay being played more. I want to see Seku Dumboy played more because I feel like a lot of the times they try to hang in these games and they try to play their vets. But I, I think just for the future, it makes sense to play these young players. Uh, but they've actually been able to hang with a lot of very good teams and like all their wins have come against good rosters. I mean, they beat the Lakers, they beat the Celtics. Like, this is what you'd want out of the Pistons for them to not be a good team, for them to get a high draft pick, but grow their young players, see what you have out of your veterans, hopefully uh, boost their value and trade them, and then just be competitive in games. So yeah, I just gave them a C about what I expected out of them so far. For the Golden State Warriors, I gave them a C plus. Easily could have been a B minus as well. Uh, this is just around what I expected out of the Golden State Warriors. Not for them to be anything special, but for Steph Curry to be amazing as he is. For Draymond, even if he's putting up six points on 30% shooting, for him to be an amazing impact on this roster. Wiggins has definitely surprised me. Like 
it kind of evened out because I didn't expect Wiggins to be this good, but I also didn't expect Kelly Oubre to be this bad. Uh, and I just expect them to be like around a 500 to slightly over 500 team. And that's what they are at this point of recording. They're 11 and 9, so they're just a decent team. And yeah, that's what I expected. They'll probably be around the 6 to 8 seed. And yeah. Uh, next with the Houston Rockets, I have them at a B plus. Uh, ever since the James Harden trade, I've been super impressed by the Houston Rockets. Uh, they've just looked like much more of a cohesive team, and they've looked really, really good. They've been one of the best defenses in the NBA, maybe even the best since the James Harden trade, is everybody's just buying in on that side of the ball. And what I like about this roster is, well, they do have their like three players who are really, really good and technically like make up a big three in Victor Aldipo, John Wall, and Christian Wood. They just have a bunch of role players alongside them who fit so super well together and are all just buying into the system. Deshaun Tate has been an absolute steal out of undrafted free agency. He's been just so good as a guy who attacks the basket, shoots threes occasionally, very good on the defensive side of the ball. They got Daniel House, a really good 3 and D player. We all know what P.J. Tucker brings. Like, I just really like the construction of this roster. I love what Steve, Steven Silas brings as a coach. I think he's already proven to be one of the better coaches in the NBA. And overall, they've just been super impressive ever since the James Harden trade. So I gave him a b plus next team is the indiana pacers and they started off very very hot but they've come more down to earth uh with them being 11 and 9 right now uh they're still a very good team Sabonis is an awesome player and he's had a very good season so far malcolm brogdon has had an all-star caliber year uh, i just don't think the pacers are like an upper echelon contender team but they're going to be one of those teams that no one wants to face in a playoff series and they're always going to put up a fight uh, again, I just don't think they're uh, really on that like tier of being a next level team. They've just been solid this year, and this is what I expect out of them: around a five seed, four seed. Uh, and yeah, they're a very good team. Uh, just have cooled down a little bit from their really hot start. Next team is the LA Clippers, and I had to give them an A. I've been super impressed by the LA Clippers, and it's not even just record-wise. It's not even just them being the best team in the Western Conference. Overall, they've just looked like a much better and much more well-flowing roster now. The Serge Ibaka pickup has been big for them as it allows them to really run like five out, space to floor, and just allow their two wings to go to work. Uh, I feel like Tyron Lue has done an amazing job of coaching this roster uh, so far. I got to give him his credit because he was someone who I wasn't calling a bad coach, but I also wasn't calling a good coach either i felt like the jury was still out on him as he'd been given really good rosters and obviously this is still a really good roster but he had lebron on his team and obviously it makes it look easier when you have the best player in the world on your team but now with a completely different roster i feel like he's done such a good job of coaching this team Kawhi and pg have both been playing excellent basketball are both guys who you could argue should be all-star starters they've been that good so far uh has been clamping up on defense while still being one of the best offense of players pg has been ridiculously efficient both of them are playmaking they're running that like tri triangle offense and it's really really helped them at times uh they've just uh, done very very well and i've been super impressed by them love the way they're flowing i thought this year they could really just implode and be a mess if i'm being honest but they have been very, very good. Like Nicholas Batum has even been uh, an amazing pickup for this roster. They're one of the best offensive teams and one of the best defensive teams. Super impressed by the Clippers so far. And that's why I had to give them an A. 
Next team is the Los Angeles Lakers. I just gave them a B. Uh, they haven't really done anything super crazy, but they haven't done anything bad either by any means. Uh, they've just been a cool team. Sometimes I feel like they definitely are playing down to their competition, uh, and sometimes they can lose games that they shouldn't lose, but I'm still confident in them being uh, the championship team. It seems like they're just kind of coasting through the season, and even with that, LeBron has been amazing this year, has shot the three ball just completely lights out. AD's been a little bit of a disappointment, but I think that's much more of a lack of aggression thing and a lack of urgency thing than him just playing bad. So yeah, they've just been a solid team this year. They've been cool so far uh next team is the memphis grizzlies and i had to give them an a and i was even thinking of giving them an a plus so far now they may only be eight and six they're one of the teams that have played the least games uh due to them having some COVID issues like they've only played 14 games while most people have played around 20 games or so but they've been very very good and way above my expectations so far this year and that's just mainly due to the injuries like if they were fully healthy roster and they were eight and six i could totally see that but john morant's missed significant time jaron jackson jr hasn't stepped on the court and they've still been a very solid team when jaw's been on the court he's been absolutely incredible so far this year and then when he was out just so many role players stepped up for them both of their rookies i'm absolutely in love with and i think we're two of the steals of the draft desmond Bain and uh, Xavier Tillman both of those guys are just awesome such good players uh, Desmond Bain is the league leader in three-point percentage at least last time I checked he is just an incredible player and he was one of those players who may have not been a super high ceiling guy but was such a high floor guy and that's why I love Desmond Bain he was one of my favorite prospects I was campaigning so hard for a team like the Nuggets or the Mavericks to take him because he's already proving to be a really good player and he's already playing super impactful basketball even though he was a four-year college player and his ceiling may not be crazy high because he doesn't have like a great handler great shot creation ability he is just a guy i was so confident in being a good player and i'm so sad that my celtics traded him away because we could really use a guy like desmond bain right now he's one hell of a player i absolutely love him uh just so many guys have bought into their system and, and have been playing very very well and i really like this roster as a whole i really enjoy the coaching and at the end of the day, I'm really excited to see them back. Uh, they should be back soon because they uh, haven't played in a while. And then I'm really excited to see Jaron Jackson Jr. back on the court because when he is, this team is dangerous. And I think they could be a legitimate team that puts up some competitive series because I'm that high on their role players. And I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is amazing. And obviously, we all know how good John Moran is. Next team is the Miami Heat, and I gave them C-. Uh, they've just had some really unfortunate circumstances with Jimmy Butler missing very significant time, and obviously when you're missing your leader, you're missing your best player, you're going to struggle. When you have Gabe Vincent playing key rotation minutes, starting at times, Casey Paula, like they... I didn't expect them to be a great team once I saw all those issues, but Bam Adebayo has been very good this season. Tyler Hero, even though his three-point shot has struggled, he's still been good overall, and he's another guy who missed time. Like I definitely expect them to turn things around. We saw that with Jimmy Butler coming back. Uh, he was awesome the first game he came back uh, from him being gone for a while. So yeah, I just expect this team to turn things around. They've just struggled so far due to some pretty unfortunate circumstances. Uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks, I gave them C-. They are the third team in the Eastern Conference, but 
I just really haven't enjoyed how they've played at all so far. Like they're only 11 and eight. They've uh, really haven't done that well against some of the better teams uh, in the league as a whole. And they've just been super unimpressive to me. I'll have a whole segment later in the episode talking about why I've been so un- unimpressed by them. But it mostly stems to Mike Budenholzer and his uh, him just refusing to adapt and to change their system. It's still the same system that's going to be successful in the regular season, but that's going to fail in the playoffs because no matter what personnel they have, no matter how good Chris Middleton is, because he's been awesome this year, he's been a closer, he's been super efficient, uh, he's been playmaking, like he's been so good this year, no matter how good Giannis is. He's a top five to seven player and MVP in this league. No matter how good Drew Holiday is, if they continue to have that same system, they're going to fail yet again. And that's what's happened so far this year. They dare teams to shoot open threes. And when you're facing the best teams, they're going to make them. Uh, when you're facing poor teams, you're going to beat up on them. And that's what that's what ha- has happened with the Bucks throughout these past couple regular seasons. And that's why they've been so dominating. But... Uh, they're still doing the same system and it's definitely come to bite them against the best teams in the conference and the best teams in the league and I've just been really unimpressed by the Bucks so far. For the Minnesota Timberwolves I've gave them a D plus they're another team that's uh, been given some pretty unfortunate circumstances with Carl uh, Anthony Towns missing a lot of games but 5 and 14 is just unacceptable. They've been terrible so far this season. Uh, and even with Cat, I don't think it would have been much different. As good as Cat is, and I love Cat's game, I just think this roster isn't constructed well. I think D'Angelo Russell's one of the more overrated players in the league. Uh, ever since that All Star season, I feel like he's just been getting praise that he simply doesn't really deserve uh, that much at all. And then there's just so many other issues with this roster with them on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like their forwards uh, aren't very good, especially that four position next to Cat. Like they have guys who I like. Jared Vanderbilt has actually been a big surprise this year, and he's been very good for them. Uh, But as a whole, this roster I just don't think is very good, and they haven't been good so far. And it's scary that they owe their pick to the Warriors. Is top three protected, but... Uh, it's not, it's unprotected if, uh, the Warriors don't get that pick in the next season. So the Minnesota Timberwolves really got to start turning things up soon, or they're going to be in a lot, a lot of trouble for the new Orleans Pelicans. I gave them a D I mean, they're the 14th team in the Western conference. And even though they're seven and 11, which isn't like a terrible record by any means, I absolutely hate this roster. While I like a lot of players on it, I think Zion's been awesome this year, Brandon Ingram. I think both of those guys have been all-star caliber players. There are such clear issues with this roster. I think Stan Van Gundy doesn't fit this team as a coach. A lot of their players that were supposed to help their issues, like Lonzo, have struggled with his shot. J.J. Redick has struggled with his shot. I think Eric Bledsoe doesn't fit this team at all. It has never made sense to me. I kind of understand the whole situation. Uh, trading for Steven Adams thing but the thing that has always baffled me is you trade for Steven Adams and you extend him before he ever played a game there that that just never has made sense to me and honestly I I think he's far from the biggest issue as far as fit wise I just think there's no spacing and Brandon Ingram could be so much better 
and he's already been great, but he's being forced to hit so many tough shots because they're doubling off people, and he's hitting them. Like, credit to Brandon Ingram, but I think he could be even better, and Zion could for sure be better because I feel like he hasn't been nearly enough of a focal point in this offense, and he also just doesn't have the spacing to attack the basket because we all know what Zion thrives at. When he's going downhill, he's unstoppable. He's way too big and strong for almost anybody, and they just haven't put him in the position to succeed. Uh, for the New York, New York Knicks, I gave them a B plus. I feel like they've been very good so far this season. I've definitely uh, exceeded my expectations. I've been super impressed by them. Uh, so many guys on that roster have been playing just good basketball. Julius Randle's been an all-star caliber player. Emmanuel Quickly is looking like the steal of the draft. He's someone I'm definitely going to talk about more because I love Emmanuel Quickly's game. Uh, RJ Barrett's been good so far this year, even if he isn't a good three-point shooter. Really good slasher, good defender as well, really good in the mid-range area. I just like the construction of this roster, and I really like how Tom Thibodeau has been coaching this team. As much as Tom Thibodeau has frustrated me at times in the past, and as much as I was worried about uh, them signing him, he is a guy who is going to help you win games, who helps uh, put in a true culture on on any team he's on, and I think that was super important for them. For the OKC Thunder, I gave them a B. They've just been good so far this season. I don't expect them to be a great team, but around the 11th seed with how many picks they have in the future is a good season. Lou Dort has been good. Shea's been good. The Vets have been good. I just like what I've seen from OKC this season. Uh, for the Magic, I gave them a C plus. They've been one of the teams that's been hit hardest by injuries. So many key injuries on that roster. So my expectations, uh, even coming into the season, weren't that high, and they were lowered even more uh, when they got so many guys hit by injuries. But they've still been decent because Nikola Vucevic is just an incredible player. Uh, for the 76ers, I gave them an A plus. As much as they've struggled without Joel Embiid, uh, I think that shows. Uh, his case for being an MVP level player and just uh, how good they've been with Joel Embiid. They've been awesome with Joel Embiid. And one, when they actually have had like their full lineup, I think they may have been like undefeated so far. They've been incredible so far this season. Doc Rivers has done a very good job coaching and this roster just fits so much better as a whole. Uh, for the Phoenix Suns, I gave them a B. They've been cool so far this season. I mean, D-Book has missed some time. Chris Ball uh, had a slow start to the season. I don't even think that was him playing bad. I think it was more just him trying to fit into his role and him allowing the other people to thrive because ever since D-Book has been out, he's been awesome. He's been absolutely incredible. And, yeah, they've just been a cool team so far. Around my expectations of them being around 6th to 7th seed, fighting with teams like the Trailblazers and the Warriors. Uh, next team is the Portland Trailblazers, and they've just been in that range, like I said, with the Phoenix Suns. It's very similar with them. They're 10-8. They've been a decent team. Uh, the CJ injury has definitely hurt them, and he's going to need to come back because CJ was incredible before his injury. I want to be so sad if CJ doesn't make the All-Star team because he was playing so well, and he was going to make the All-Star team this year, and then he had his injury, but Dame has still been awesome. Defense has struggled, but their offense is still good enough. Uh, for the Kings, I gave them a C. I just didn't expect much out of them, and they've been fine so far this year. Uh, they've had their ups and downs for sure. At the beginning of the year, they looked really good. Then they had a really bad stretch, and then they've been decent as of late. Tyrese uh, Halliburton has been a huge bright spot. The Aaron Fox has been very good. Marvin Bagley's been disappointing, 
But overall, the roster's playing decent. For the Spurs, I gave them a B plus. They are the ninth seed right now, but I've been incredibly impressed by the Spurs. I just love the way they play basketball. Everybody buys into their system. It's just like all the Spurs teams of the past, and everybody is playing well together. Love Keldon Johnson. Love Lonnie Walker. I love how all their wings rebound, and they, then they just push the pace. They're a super fun team for me to watch, and honestly, one of my favorite teams this year. My next team is the Toronto Raptors. I gave them a C-. They're starting to turn things around, but my expectations for them were lower than most people's, and they've gone below my expectations. Pascal has had an up-and-down season, has been much better as of late. Kyle Lowry's been in and out, and he's been decent this year. Uh, Fred Van Leet's been good. Uh, it's just their rim protection as a whole. Uh, as much as Chris Boucher has had very good moments and has been uh, a very big bright spot for their team, I just don't trust him long-term to be a big-time uh, rim protector because he's one of those guys who blocks a lot of shots, but I don't think he's necessarily a great rim protector. And that's just due to how skinny he is and due to how small he is. Like Against a team like the 76ers, I just can't trust him to guard Joel Embiid for a great for a whole game so they're going to need to really get someone or they're going to need to have Aaron Bain step up uh, they've just been a little disappointing so far this season for the Utah Jazz gave them an A plus they did lose to the Denver Nuggets uh, but they've been awesome so far this season they went on that huge streak they've been a ridiculous three-point shooting team and while I do expect that to slow down at some point they genuinely just have such good uh, roster construction everybody's playing well and I think Quinn Snyder's one of the best coaches in the league and then rounding it out we got the Washington Wizards at a D. They did win that crazy game against the Nets. Russell Westbrook is starting to turn things up and start to look much more like himself. But overall, they've still been a huge disappointment. I expect them to be a playoff team. And even with that win, they're still the worst team in the league. I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back to talk about the Denver Nuggets right here. And after definitely a pretty slow start to the season where they really just weren't looking like the great team that we all knew they could be, they've started to bounce back and they've been very, very good as of late. And I mean, that's mainly due to, we all know, Nikola Jokic, man. Nikola Jokic has been on another level this year. He has been absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. He's been an MVP caliber player. Uh, I say he's been the best player in the league. He's been just so, so good so far this season. And I feel like Jokic has perfectly balanced this season, uh, him being aggressive and him being the playmaker that he is. Because I feel like that's something he did struggle with uh, at certain times in previous seasons, where sometimes he would have games where he only took a couple shots, and we were, we were all like, Jokic, you're way too good to be doing that. But now he is perfectly uh, mastered him being aggressive, but him still being the facilitator and the main guy who play makes on this roster. He has just been ridiculous so far this season. Even though he may not have like the super impressive Hakeem Elijah on footwork that uh, Joel Embiid does, he is still a ridiculous scorer because he is just so big and so strong down there. And his touch around the basket is ridiculous. Like so many times, people are playing good defense on him, but there's just nothing you can do because he's just bigger and has way more finesse than almost anyone in the league. His ability to finish around the basket is so good. Still does have amazing footwork in the post. His fadeaways have always been something that's been very good. Three-point shooting has been good this year. It's something that's been inconsistent throughout his career, and I kind of expect it to be inconsistent this year as well. But it seems like, especially in the playoff, he always turns up his three-point shooting. Uh, he's been decent on defense as well. I feel like that's something he gets a lot of 
uh, undeserved hate for. Like, he's not a great defender by any means, and especially with his lack of verticality, he can't really ever be a super great rim protector. But he's got really nice hands. Uh, he's one of the league leaders in steals, averaging 1.8 per game. And he just does a good job of at least being aware on that side of the ball and showing uh, good enough effort. He's had a double-double in literally every single game. Uh, he's averaging almost 12 rebounds per game. He's an amazing rebounder. We all know how good of a passer he is, but I feel like sometimes his scoring can get over overshadowed just due to how good of a passer he is. But he's one of the best scorers in the league and still one of the best passers as well. He just sees so many things that so... Uh, few people do he's one of those rare guys and this is what i'll always say what i think at least makes a truly elite playmaker is being able to th see things before they happen and Jokic absolutely has that ability he is just the guy who runs this offense and he runs it so well there's a reason why they've consistently been one of the better offenses in the league and it's because Nikola Jokic is that dude he's making an argument to be a top five player in this league he is just so so phenomenal and he's had a ridiculous season i love everything about Jokic. definitely my favorite center in the league he's just an absolute blast to watch i really hope he can win mvp this year because he's just been truly truly special and it's been it's been a show to watch Jokic so far this season love everything about him and his game he's been amazing this year michael porter jr i think is emerging to be the Denver Nuggets second best player at some point uh, he's he's had some inconsistent uh, playing time and that's not due to Mike Malone that's due to him get, uh, catching COVID so he had to miss quite a bit of time but he's just one of the more polished offensive players uh, I've seen come into the league in a long long while we all know he had this crazy high ceiling coming into the league but we were all worried about those injuries and they haven't really been an issue at this point in his career and he's just been amazing so far at this point in his career uh He's a guy who can do basically everything on the offensive side of the ball. Reminds me a lot of Kevin Durant as a scorer. Uh, I'll always say I don't think he's ever going to reach the peaks of Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant's one of the 15 greatest players of all time and is the greatest scorer I've personally ever seen play the game. Uh, but Michael Porter Jr. does have that Kevin Durant-like ability to hit these tough contested shots. And there's so many times where he just shoots it over someone and there's nothing you could do because Michael Porter Jr. is a 6'10 dude who's super lanky and has the skill to just shoot over absolutely anybody and sometimes like he doesn't even make the extra pass when they're swinging it along and he just shoots a three right over someone and it's like what are you supposed to do it's not like you can really contest a guy who's 6'10 and has the length that he does and he still has a good handle love his ability to get to the mid-range area but he's just such a good three-point shooter his off-ball IQ is phenomenal always does such a good job of cutting and if you're a good cutter playing alongside Yoko you're going to get plenty of easy buckets great free throw shooter as well he's basically other than being other than him not being really anything as a playmaker he's the complete offensive package scoring wise still has some things to work on on defense but is much better than last year where he was a he was a terrible defender last year and he's far from great again he's still growing on that side of the ball but i still have been impressed by michael border jr as a whole and i think he's had a good year so far just hope he can continue to play consistent minutes and um 
play games because I think he's going to be amazing for them this year. And again, I do think he's going to emerge to be their second best player. And that's due to just the inconsistencies of Jamal Murray. He was so hot in the bubble, had that awesome bubble run that he did. And I feel like so many people jumped the gun and overreacted. I was even a guy who I was uh, questioning even putting him in my top 10 point guards because I just didn't know if that was real. And I think so far this season, he's proven that that wasn't real. Um, He's just as inconsistent as they come. And he is still a guy who can go off for 40, 50 any night. And I truly believe he can do that every single night. Uh, but he's just way too inconsistent. Is not shooting as nearly as many threes as I wanted him to. And is not shooting nearly as good of a percentage as I'd want him to. I thought the bubble, uh, if anything, I thought the one thing that was going to hold up was his confidence from the three-point line. Uh, but he's only taking six a game, which is only .5 more than he did last year. And he's shooting only .5 more per, uh, uh, better percentage as well. He's uh, only getting to the free throw line point times one point uh, one times more per game he's getting less assist like he's just been a disappointment for me so far and I feel like uh, again if he doesn't step up MPJ is going to become that second guy on this team soon because he's just way too inconsistent Uh, I do even though they are missing Jeremy Grant clearly I do like a lot of the forwards on this team and the versatility that they can bring to Michael Green has quietly been awesome for them this year shooting 47 percent from three uh averaging almost 11 points i just i have i've always really liked uh, jamichael's green's game and always thought he is one of the better role players in the league and i think he's proving that this year that was an absolute steal for them paul Millsap, as much as he's not the guy he used to be he's not an all-star anymore or anything close to that he's still a guy who can shoot above 40 percent from three and still brings that veteran uh leadership he's only playing about 23 Three minutes per game he has a very small role but i i do like what he does will barton uh, had a pretty rough start to the season especially but he's had his moments he's shooting 39 percent from three which you like to see efficiency is definitely turning up he is just a guy who can be inconsistent at times uh but he was really nice last year and i think he can uh start to be the guy he was last year i do think his starting uh position could easily be taken by mpj if they want to run mpj at the three uh but i actually like will barton's role for him to be a six-man type of player a lot monte morris is easily one of the best backup point guards in the league that's not even a, a debate he's just a really really nice player to have on this squad with how good he is as a backup uh overall i just really like uh this team i mean we all knew how good they could be but now they're starting to click starting to look like one of the best offensive especially teams in the league and started to look like one of the best teams as a whole they still have issues i i'm still not confident in gary harris because of how inconsistent he is especially as a shooter and how much he struggled as an offensive player as a whole at times but the squad has been playing very well and it's all uh, because of Nikola Jokic being the ridiculous player that he is and how well he's played so far this season. Next team I want to talk about is the Los Angeles Clippers. I've been incredibly incredibly impressed by how the Clippers have been playing so far this season. I'm a million times more confident in them than I was at the beginning of the season because, if you know me, I was super critical of this roster throughout the entire offseason, as most people were. We all saw the complete collapse that was uh, what happened last year. That was just an absolute embarrassment. And I... Uh, I'm going to be honest. I thought this team was going to completely implode. I recognize that they made very nice moves. I recognize that the Serge Ibaka move, in my opinion,
opinion, was a big upgrade. I recognize that Luke Kennard was the guy who can shoot threes and could be a good playmaker off the bench, but I just thought there were so many internal issues with this roster last year that weren't going to be fixed by the uh, additions that they did make, but this team has looked much, much better, and I think first got to start off with coaching. Tyron Lewis, someone who I was super unsure of as a coach because he had LeBron. He had uh, such great rosters in Cleveland, and when you have the best player in the world, it's pretty easy to look good as a coach. But he has done such a good job of coaching this team uh, so far this year. The way he's running that like triangle offense at times and he's incorporating that has been great so far. His defensive schemes has been perfect. Like Everything has been on point. His rotations have been very good. I feel like he's utilizing everyone very well. He's done a great job of uh, making up for them not having like a true uh, great playmaker as it's more of a playmaker. Uh, playmaking by committee type of thing and yeah he's done an amazing job of coaching this roster so far this year been super impressed and obviously you got to start off with the star players for this team Kawhi and Paul George are locked in and are playing incredible basketball I love to see Kawhi not load managing nearly as much because I feel like that was an issue with a lot of the people on the team last year as they had issues with them getting their preferential treatment and Kawhi still needs to do that at the end of the day I'm never going to criticize him for not playing all the games because it does seem at times that that injury is still bothering him and you want him to be healthy for the long run but for him to be playing more consistent games and uh, him just being allowed to like click with this team more because of the games he's playing has helped quite a lot as you can see the chemistry is just a lot better and Kawhi is quite very quietly having an MVP season so far I feel like his name has not been mentioned nearly enough in the MVP conversation because he's averaging 26 points 5.2 rebounds and 5.4 assists on 50 40 90 efficiency while leading the clippers to the best team uh in the western conference and i'm pretty sure the best uh team in the league as a whole Kawhi is easily an MVP candidate and if you said Kawhi was your MVP I would not be mad at all as he's having one of the best seasons of his career and he's been absolutely incredible so far this season and again I just feel like he's not getting nearly enough recognition for how good he's been so far because you can't even say it's the him missing games so far this season because uh, even the games that he did miss was due to like health uh, protocols he's played most of the games that he can play in and he's been locked in so far he's even been uh, better on defense like he was obviously still great on defense last year but there were definitely times you could tell he was more focused on offense but he's just completely locked in on both sides of the ball and has been completely ridiculous Paul George has been great so far this year been super efficient again both of those guys shooting 50 40 90 both of those guys are playmaking well Paul George is another guy who deserves to be in the MVP conversation. Uh, they've both been just playing so, so well. I love to see how Paul George has been playing. As you can tell, he's really healthy. He's rejuvenated. And he's really just locked in because so many people were criticizing him last year. And it was it was 100% um, reasonable why they were criticizing him because he was an embarrassment in the playoffs. He completely failed in the playoffs. But uh, he has been playing much better this year. It just... It, this whole team just has a different feeling to it. Like it, it's hard for me to describe it exactly, but the chemistry just feels so much better. And it's just, 
I, I'd say the thing that's best to describe it is just the flow of this team is so much better now. Like everything is just clicking on all cylinders and they just look so much happier out there. Like I love everything about this team so far this year. The Serge Ibaka pickup has been absolutely massive. Even if Serge doesn't put up some crazy numbers, which he isn't by any means so far this season. If you watch the Clippers games, he is such a big impact on this team because he allows them to be so mo much more versatile because last year they didn't have a center who could stretch the floor like if you wanted to run uh patrick patterson at small ball center they could do that but he was a bit of a liability on defense if you did that but now serge Ibaka is the offensive and defensive player that they need it allows them to run five out which allows Kawhi leonard to be one of the best iso players in the league which he obviously is he's almost in unstoppable in the iso it allows paul george to get more room in the iso as well and then it just uh, brings such a bigger threat from outside as he's shooting 39% from three. And even if he's not like the crazy shot blocker necessarily that he used to be, is still a very good rim protector. Does such a good job of just affecting shots, being in the right place at the right time, uh, defending the pick and roll well. Love everything about Serge's game, and he's been super important to this team. And then you just have a bunch of guys who may not be big names or may not be star players by any means, but everybody's just buying in. Luke Kennard, really good shot shooter and a guy who brings uh, a little bit of playmaking to this roster. Nick Batum is someone who I thought was done after he had some just terrible years with Charlotte, but he has been a super underrated and super good pickup for them so far this year. As he's back to shooting the three ball, lights out, and that's what made him so valuable, and then he's uh, being a playmaker as well, which is another thing uh, that I just love about this roster is that, again, everybody playmakes by committee and everybody is just helping this roster win games. Uh, it's, uh, Marcus Morris has done a better job of not being a ball stopper, even though he can still at times. I like Avika Zubak at the backup center. Lou Williams is someone who I would like to see them uh, trade, to be honest, because he's been just not super great this year. And I still just can't trust Lou Williams in the playoffs as he's going to get hunted on defense. That's just the unfortunate thing with him being a 6'1", 175-pound, 34-year-old. But overall, I've been super impressed by the Clippers so far this season. They've been really outperforming my expectations, and I love everything that I've seen. Next team I want to talk about is the Milwaukee Bucks. They've been a big disappointment to me so far this season. They may be 11-8. and eight, They may be the number three seed in the Eastern Conference, but I have not liked what I've seen from this team at all so far this season. I've been super unimpressed with how they've played, and they've lost back-to-back -back games to uh, the New Orleans Pelicans and then to the Charlotte Hornets. My biggest issue with this roster is that I don't see anything different from last year. Though the personnel is different, though they made moves, Mike Budenholzer is still the head coach. And with Mike Budenholzer as their head coach, I do not trust this roster at all. Mike Budenholzer sucks at his job. He is a terrible coach. And that is no sugarcoating at all. That is no... Uh, that is no exaggeration. Mike Budenholzer is a bad coach, and I do not understand what is their obsession with keep Mike, Mike, keeping Mike Budenholzer as their coach because he's just a bad coach. He is so stuck in his ways because they've worked at times, but he continues to do the same thing over and over again 
while seeing the same results, they're going to be good in the regular season, then they're going to lose in the playoffs because Mike Boonholzer's schemes are terrible. He does the same thing every year where it's you play drop coverage in the pick and roll and you allow other teams to shoot open threes. And while that's going to, for the most part, it it's going to beat the bad teams. It's going to beat the teams that can't shoot the three ball very well. When you're in a close series against a team like the Miami Heat who can shoot the hell out of the ball, a team like the Boston Celtics who could shoot the hell out of the ball, uh, even a team like the 76ers, they're not even a great three-point shooting team, but they're a pretty good one. And if you allow them to keep getting wide open threes, it's just not going to work. He's so stuck in his ways, even when it's failing this roster consistently. And that's what we saw in the series against the uh, Miami heat last year eric spolstra outcoached uh mike budenholzer so badly it was an embarrassment and even though you may criticize Giannis and may say like the wall defense can beat him i also think that's a big product of mike budenholzer's offense being way too simplistic and them not running Giannis at the five more not allowing him to be a post player like they just do the same thing over and over again so the definition of insanity is just doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results and that's exactly what's happening this year you would hope now that they got drew holiday they got a completely do- new dynamic to their team they got one of the best defensive guards in the NBA. They got a guy who can play make, who can help uh, close down the stretch. And even though he's been good for them so far this year, it's still the same exact thing. And I I think they just need to realize with Mike Budenholzer as your coach, you're always going to be a good regular season team. But simultaneously, you're always going to be a disappointment when it comes playoff time. And I'm just sick and tired of them continuing to believe that Mike Boonholzer is the guy because he's just not. I mean, we see in this Hornets game, the Hornets shot 44 threes and shot almost 48% from three because you keep giving them these open threes and Uh, The Hornets aren't even a great team, so when you're thinking about the truly great teams, and especially the truly great three-point shooting teams, there's nothing you're going to do about it. If they have to uh, be in a series against the Nets, where you have Joe Harris, where you have Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, like... They're not going to go anywhere because they're going to continue to give them open threes because Mike Boonholzer is so stuck in his ways of keeping this same system. Because I think genuinely this roster is constructed almost perfectly. Chris Middleton has been awesome this year. He's been incredible. He's a guy who can play make very well. He can create his own shot. He's been a closer down the stretch. He's one of the most efficient players in the league, shooting over 50-40-90 for basically back-to-back seasons now. Drew Holiday, another guy who can be an option down the stretch, a guy who can play make, a guy who's a great perimeter defender and one of the best guard defenders, especially in the league. Uh, Brooke Lopez, a guy who isn't a great shooter, but is is still somewhat of a threat out there and is really good at protecting the basket and just fits in the scheme with Giannis being the guy who rebounds most. He's just a guy who just, again, fits with this roster. I really like Dante DiVincenzo and he's stepped up and he's been a, a very good player so far. It's cooled down uh, pretty significantly from his start of the season where he was incredible, but it's still been good. Still shooting 39% from three. Like I really love the construction of this roster, but without Mike Budenholzer, they're going to not do anything, in my opinion. And we've continuously seen that year after year. Uh, and I saw something where it was like in their last 
ever since the Miami Heat series or ever since the bubble, they've been like a below 500 team. They just haven't been good recently. And I think it's just because teams have simply figured out this Bucks roster. Like even with different personnel, they still have Mike Boonholzer at the head of it. And there's still going to be a disappointment with Mike Boonholzer. I just don't believe in this roster. Uh, I don't think they're a contender in the Eastern Conference unless they get rid of Mike uh, Boonholzer because I think in a series with against a good coach like a Brad Stevens or like an Eric Spolstra I think we're going to see yet again Mike Boonholzer is going to get coached circles around him and unless he gets fired they're not going to do anything and I think they're just holding on to him way too much because they're going to be a good regular season team again and they're going to think oh yeah we changed our personnel around it's a new team but with the same schemes with the same system you're going to see the same results which is the bucks being a disappointment yet again i'm really really not liking what i've seen from the bucks so far and i just simply don't believe in them now talking about the team that actually beat the milwaukee bucks as uh recently and that's the charlotte hornets i'm a big big fan of the charlotte hornets roster i absolutely love this team so much and they've been a blast for me to watch so far this season I uh, gotta start off with Lamelo Ball. Obviously, he's not the best player on this team, but he's such a fun player, bro. Lamelo Ball is an absolute blast to watch, an absolute pleasure to watch, and has been very, very good in his rookie season. Efficiency hasn't been great, and that's what we should have expected coming into this season. Even as a guy who said Lamelo Ball was going to be the best player out of the draft class, uh, I thought he was my clear number one. And I didn't really think anyone was close to him. I, there's still worries with Lamelo, and th- those worries still exist. I'm worried about him being way too skinny he's a guy who is 6'7 but he's also only 180 pounds and he's a guy who uh, is kind of scared of attacking the basket at times he does a lot of really awkward floaters because you can tell he's scared of taking contact very similar to his brother Lonzo both of those guys have very similar wiring in that way where they don't uh, really have super great confidence while just attacking the basket and they're not going to be someone who goes through someone which I, is something that I really enjoy and I really appreciate and I think helps out your efficiency so much is just the ability to get to the free throw line and the ability to finish through contact so he's going to need to add to his frame that's absolutely something that he needs to do uh, because again he's only 180 pounds but you got to think he's 19 years old he's still a kid he's in uh, NBA development now and he's going to be a guy who I expect to put on weight I wouldn't ex- ever expect him to be super strong but I think he'll be a guy who can put on enough weight to be good uh, and the, then the three-point shooting it's inconsistent at best uh, because his jump shot is bad at the end of the day his jump shot form is really really ugly uh, I don't like it at all the elbows flare out Uh, It needs some serious mechanical changes to it. And again, that's something that with NBA development and with just patience, I think that'll be something that does turn around for him. But there are so many bright spots about LaMelo Ball's game. He's an amazing rebounder, especially for him being a point guard. And that allows him to uh, do what he's best at, which is pushing the pace and helping other guys uh, in transition. He's a truly generational playmaker, in my opinion. Um, 
a truly generational ball handler as well. His ball handling is truly special, and there's so many times where he can fake out a defender, break down a defender due to just how good his handle is. And then again, he does such a good job of just rebounding and pushing the pace in transition. He throws so many beautiful passes that I feel like a very small percentage of people can make. And he does that on such a just regular basis. He makes it look so casual and so easy, which is uh, just so impressive from him. Even though sometimes I feel like he needs to just go into people instead of doing those awkward floaters. He's really damn good at those floaters, and he has an amazing floater game. I absolutely am in love with that. And again, his playmaking is just so good. I feel like he's already in the upper echelon of playmakers as a guy who sees things before they have they happen and make uh, make super difficult passes just look regular and casual. Uh, but then you got to talk about the guy who's been the best uh, player on the Charlotte Hornets so far, and that is Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward has been incredible so far this season. Is having a career year for the Charlotte Hornets, even better than his all-star season in Utah. He's a guy who is shooting 50% from the field, about 43% from three, and 86% from the line, averaging over 23 points. He's just been awesome for them so far. He's a guy who I've always really enjoyed his game because he's just super efficient, and he just, uh, even though he can be aggressive at times and he can take over, He's a guy who just kind of gets his points where they come. He uh, gets his open threes. He's always been a really good three-point shooter, shooting basically five and a half per game at a great percentage. Uh, he's a guy who's always been a really good free throw shooter, always had super just good touch. He's a great playmaker, uh, even though he's only averaging three point. Uh, six assists and he's never been a guy who averaged a crazy amount of uh, assists his career high is 5.2 I've just always loved his playmaking ability because you can just tell he has such good vision and he has such good does such a good job of setting up teammates he's just a super efficient and well-rounded offensive player that at the end of the day helps you win basketball games and then you got uh, PJ Washington love PJ Washington's game he's a guy who is never going to put up some crazy numbers I expect like his peak to be like 15 to 16 points but he is a guy who's a very good three-point shooter even if he struggled so far this season only shooting about 34 percent I'm not worried about that he's a very smart defensive player he's athletic can catch lobs solid rebounder as well he's just a well-rounded dude that you want on your team and he's a bit of an underrated playmaker as well he's averaging three assists per game like he's just a nice guy to have on the roster uh terry rogier is someone who uh, has got injured recently a uh, little sprained ankle but he's been awesome so far for this uh, so far this season for them he's a guy who i was never super confident in especially when he was in boston because i was just worried about him being inefficient and he is a guy who can be a bit of a shot chucker at times but he is uh clearly improved his game significantly and is a very good player now someone who's averaging 18.6 points on really good efficiency it's never going to be a great playmaker by any means but him averaging that much on 60 percent true shooting is uh what you're going to take out of him and especially when they have that backcourt of him and LaMelo with LaMelo being more the playmaker being the guy who has the size uh and could be like a rebounder as well I think that dynamic works perfectly Devontae Graham hasn't been great this season by any means and I think again it's time for LaMelo to take that spot but he has been at least uh better as of late he had a really rough start to the season and he's just never a guy who's going to be super efficient because he's a terrible interior to finish interior finisher and he doesn't really have a mid-range game good three-point shooter but he just needs to round out his offensive game pretty 
uh, well if he wants to be the player that he can be. Uh, and then they got like Miles Bridges, who has been such a good lob target for Lamelo. I really like Miles Bridges. They got the Martin twins, who uh, can do a little bit of uh, things out there. Neither of them are great, but one of them's a good three-point shooter, and then the other one's a bit more athletic. Like they both bring what they bring to the team. Malik Monk hasn't really gotten many minutes, but he's starting to get more minutes. That he's actually been very good so far this season. I do think he has the potential to be a really good six-man uh, for this team. He just needs to get the minutes and needs to be more consistent because that's always been the issue once they figure out their center position i think this team could be really really good because cody zeller is a fine player he's uh very decent at the center position but he's nothing special by any means he's just again a fine player but not a guy that want as a starter much more of a guy who you'd like as a backup and he had a big injury this year uh but i just love the construction of this team and i think they can be a playoff team for sure uh i think they're well coached i think they got a good mix of guys they just need to find that center and they're going to be a really, really nice team going into the future. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. Okay, okay, I'm back to talk about my Boston Celtics right here and how I think they can take the next step to being a true contender as they've been kind of in this like perpetual state for these past couple seasons of being a very good team and being a team that's super competitive, but I still don't believe in to really take that next step to being a championship-level team, and I feel like they're in a very similar state this year. We all know how good Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are. These two dudes are two of the best uh, wings in the NBA as a whole. I think Jason Tatum is a borderline top uh, 10 to 12 player in the league. I just think he's absolutely phenomenal, and I mean, if Jalen Brown keeps playing the way he uh, the way he has, then he's up there as well. Uh, but they do have some very clear issues that I do believe they need to fix. Uh, Kemba Walker is a super interesting situation as I think when he's healthy and when he's playing the way he should be, then he's actually like a perfect fit alongside Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as someone who is very clearly proven to be an unselfish guy who is willing to uh, let those guys just take over and do their thing, but then could still be a, an option down the stretch and still be someone who can take over when needed. But he has been someone who's dealt with his injuries and that knee is terrifying and he's had uh, very big inconsistencies that are scary uh, and do scare me going into the playoffs and going into a really tough series so I mean if you could uh, trade him and find something then yeah you do it uh, but it obviously has to be of equal value like if you could make a three-team trade somehow and get like a Bradley Beal away from Washington by giving away a bunch of your assets and picks then I'd be completely happy with doing that and allowing smart to just run the PG. Uh, but if you can't find a trade for Kemba Walker that makes sense, then I just say you keep him because he still is a player who I think could be good for this roster. I just think he needs to get his legs under him and needs to play some consistent uh, games without getting injured. So hopefully he can get better. Honestly, the biggest issue with uh, for me with this roster is not actually the center position. I do think it's something that if you can upgrade and if you could get a true, uh, really good defensive center, then you do it, obviously. But for me, it's depth. It's consistency and shooting on this roster, especially coming off the bench. There are way too many guys who are too inconsistent coming off this bench who have to play key minutes for this roster. Uh, starting off with Jeff Teague, once Payton Pritchard is back, I do not want to see Jeff Teague really touching the floor at all because Jeff Teague is bad. He cannot finish inside to save his life. He may be the worst interior finisher I've ever seen. The dude misses more layups uh, from an NBA player that I've ever seen. Uh, 
Uh, he is shooting the three ball well this season, but is shooting terrible from the field as a whole, shooting 32%. And he's an absolute mess on defense. He's a, a atrocious defender. So once Payton Pritchard is back, uh, Jeff Teague's minutes got to be cut. And then you have to make trades for guys who can come off the bench and play actual valuable minutes and can be consistent for this roster. The J.J. Redick idea has been brought up uh, by Shams as that's something the Celtics are exploring. And I'd be super interested by that. I think that'd be a really good idea. As much as J.J. Redick has struggled, I'm still confident he can turn things around. And as much as I do like a lot of these young guys to come off the bench and as much as I do like their potential, I just don't think they're ready yet. Uh, Romeo Lankford is someone who I think could be really, really really good but has dealt with so many injuries and that's obviously not his fault but it's not allowed him to play the consistent minutes that you'd want him to grant williams as good as i do want him to be he just hasn't really been good so far this year he's way too inconsistent i just feel like he's not skilled enough i feel like he uh, is a really good presence in the locker room and does a lot of the dirty work that you'd want him to but isn't a super skilled basketball player and hasn't been great so far this year carson edwards i just don't I uh, think can really play minutes on a team that uh, competes for a championship. I think he was one of those guys who just went to the wrong situation. I think he was a guy who needed to go to a bad team who was going to let him just shoot the ball, go through all his struggles that he was going to go through and uh, just keep confidence in him. But with the Celtics, he was going to have to play great immediately and he was going to be on a super short leash and he just hasn't really done anything. I mean, he's had some nice moments here and there, but nothing special. So I think you just need another consistent guard to come off the bench and bring a uh, good shooting uh, who doesn't really need the ball in their hand so a guy like JJ Redick that's a perfect move maybe even a Terrence Ross would be a great move you just need someone who can come off the bench and bring that spark because the Celtics really don't have that outside of Peyton Pritchard because obviously he has been very good for them and has been uh, a big steal and has been a big spark for them but they need another guy Aaron Nesmith is someone who I think can develop into that over the year as some people just gave up on him so quickly which as a Celtics fan that always puzzled me so much people giving up on a guy who came off a pretty significant foot injury and hadn't played basketball in a while didn't have any summer league uh, barely even had any preseason to get ready people were already giving up on this dude like 10 games into his career as much as he had struggled at times and it was scary at times I feel like that was just completely blasphemous for people to do but Aaron Smith is someone who started to turn it around he is someone who uh, can really shoot the hell out of the ball I just think he needs to get confidence and he already looks much more confident than he did at the beginning of the season it wasn't even just him shooting it was like it was just his swagger the way he was moving around the court he just didn't look like he felt like he belonged out there but especially recently he's looked like he felt like he feels like he can he belongs out there much much more and has looked much better for the team uh, I think they need another forward off the bench who can shoot the ball consistently for sure uh, someone like PJ Tucker would be absolutely perfect for this team they just need veterans who come off the bench and who are guys who you can buy low on and that's what the trade exception is for the trade exception is exactly for that to get guys who may not be a star player but who can come off the bench bring valuable minutes to the team and are important players to the squad i think those are the type of moves that the celtics need to make they don't need to make this star move they don't need to get this crazy center because i think robert williams has a lot of potential and has grown a lot this year i think he's someone who needs to get more minutes for sure i think daniel tice is a solid player 
player. He's nothing special, but he's decent. Tristan Thompson, I've been a little disappointed by him, but I do still think he's a good player and uh, brings valuable things to the Boston Celtics. And I think a lot of these young guys can play minutes at times and be valuable at times. Payne Pritchard is someone who's a solidified guy in this rotation as the backup one, but I think Aaron Nesmith could come in as a shooter occasionally and be an important and good player. I think Romeo Langford is someone who can play very good wing defense and be a good slasher. Gary Harris type of player. So once he's healthy, I think he can play. I think Semi Ojale is a guy who's outperformed my expectations quite a lot and has been pretty decent. I think um, Grant Williams is someone who brings a good presence and is someone who can shoot the ball at times and can be a good defender as well. I just think he uh, the thing you need to address the most is trying to get more solidified guys who come off the bench and bring consistent things, even if they're not uh, special and not great at anything. It's all about getting guys who are going to consistently help the two Jays. Because I feel like way too much when I'm watching the Celtics, uh, outside of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, there's no guy who I could just completely rely on to be uh uh, a really good player on the team, especially on offense. As much as I love Marcus Smart, he's super inconsistent. And as much as I love a lot of these guys on the roster, a lot of these guys are just young and they're not stars like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They're not going to be consistent players in their second and third year. And that's not necessarily against them. It's more about the construction of the roster. I just feel like there's way too many young guys who have to do things that they're just probably not ready for. So using the trade exception, maybe trading some of these young guys and trading some of our picks for uh, guys who can come off the bench, bring shooting, bring defense, and bring veteran leadership is the thing that I believe the Celtics need to do to take the next step and be true contenders in the NBA. Now getting into some player spotlights of some guys who have been really standing out to me so far this season, and I got to start off with Emmanuel Quickly of the New York Knicks. He is someone who I really liked coming into the draft. I loved everything that I saw from him uh, at Kentucky, and Kentucky's always been a program who's uh, kind of held back their players, not in a bad way necessarily, but they develop them behind the scenes. But because they're always such a good team, everybody gets their fair share. That's why we see guys like Devin Booker, Tyler Hero, uh, Tyrese Maxey. We see these guys so consistently not get a ton of minutes at Kentucky, but when they get into the league, they are ready. And I'm so glad he took his uh, another season at Kentucky to just develop as a player and become better because he wasn't too good in his freshman year, but his sophomore year, he clearly developed developed quite a lot and in all the extra time between uh, the college season and the draft he clearly developed way more he was one of my uh, guys that I really liked coming into the draft and a lot of those things that I liked about him have transferred into the NBA I talked about his uh, floater game a lot and man that floater is crazy we saw it on full display against the Clippers the dude just doesn't miss floaters at all and it's so impressive like he can hit them uh, from such weird angles off the backboard he's just incredible incredible uh, at floaters and has such a nice touch around the basket and it's really really impressive how good he is at floaters uh, his handle is something that I've definitely seen improved uh, because it was something that I said was solid but wasn't good enough uh, for me at least as a, a guard for him to be a, tr a truly special offensive player but that handles 
uh, been something that's clearly improved quite a lot. And I've always loved his first step off the dribble. He's got a super quick first step, and then he uses that quick first step, the improved handle, and then his floater game, and it's it's almost unstoppable. He had that really cool moment with Lou Williams where he was talking about how Lou was one of his favorite players, and he looked up to him. And you can see a lot of Lou Williams in his game with that floater, with that quick first step, and with them being undersized shooting guards who don't have the vision to play point guard, but are such good scores that uh, they're valuable to be out there. And the difference between him and a guy like Lou Williams is Emmanuel quickly is a, is a pretty good defender as well. Like, even though he's pretty small, he's pretty skinny, he competes on that side of the ball. And you can tell because Tom Thibodeau play, is starting to play him, especially recently, uh, pretty significant minutes. And Tom Thibodeau is never going to be one of those guys who just plays rookies just to play them. He's going to play them because you deserve minutes and because you're an impactful player, because you're working hard, because you're competing on the defensive side of the ball. And that's exactly what Emmanuel quickly has done. He's been just super impressive in all facets of the game. He's a guy who is a pretty good three-point shooter, isn't necessarily anything super special out there, but I always expect him to be around that 36 to 38% range, which is still very, very good. Don't get me wrong. And he's shoots basically like half of his shots from out there which i absolutely love because it just helps his efficiency as a whole and he's okay my recording just stopped for a second so that's my bad i kind of completely lost my train of thought uh but emmanuel quickly back to him i mean i just really like what he brings on the offense side of the ball obviously talked about his floater love his competitiveness on defense love that he fights on that side would like to see him improve as a playmaker i just don't think that's ever something he's going to be super great at he's, i feel like he's always going to be one of those undersized shooting guards uh but because he's good on the defense side of the ball i think if you put a big a bigger one alongside him or a two who can uh, handle the ball and who can facilitate, then he's going to be completely fine. And I'm really excited that now you can tell he's gaining the trust of Tom Thibodeau because uh, at this point in the season, 17 games in, he's only played 19 minutes per game, but I expect that uh, with how he's played recently to start real to start really turning up, uh, especially because he's played so well in these last couple of games. I mean, against the Clippers, he had uh, 25 points in 27 minutes, 25 points in 25 minutes against uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, 31 and uh, 24 minutes against the Portland Trailblazers. Like you can tell he's starting to gain uh, Thibodeau's trust. And I feel like he's going to start being a really, really big part of this rotation, playing like 25 to 28 minutes per game. And I think he's going to truly be unlocked and truly be uh, showed out as one of the steals of the draft as I mean, he's already averaging 12.4 points in, in those only 19 minutes. So when he starts getting like 25, I could see him easily averaging 15 points in his rookie season, which is really, really impressive stuff out of a guy who was a later first round pick. And I just love absolutely everything that I've seen from Emmanuel quickly. He has been a stud for the New York Knicks so far and has been really fun to watch. I had a blast watching that Knicks game with him. And yeah, I've been super impressed by Emmanuel quickly so far this season for the New York Knicks. Uh, next and last player spotlight is for Lowry Markkinen of the Chicago Bulls as he has bounced back this season. I feel like he needed to get some credit for how he's done so far. He had a really weird uh, season last year. Uh, under Jim Boylan as as his head coach. And I feel like Jim Boylan was by far the main reason why all those struggles were happening. At a certain point, you do have to uh, 
talk to Larry Markkinen and be real with him about his struggles, but I feel like Jim Boylan was limiting him quite a lot, and now that he's back to playing the basketball that we all know he can uh, play, he's been playing much better as he's just been uh, put in the role that has allowed him to really unlock himself and be a very, very good player again, as Jim Boylan basically made this guy a spot-up shooter, and as much as he was praised coming into the league as a shooter, and as much as that still is uh, something that he's good at, I mean, he's shooting 7.33s a game, and he's shooting 40%, like, he's a great three-point shooter, but making him only a spot-up guy was so clearly limiting his uh, capability and his ability as a player, as he's someone who can handle the ball, who... He's really good at taking slower bigs off the dribble as he is pretty athletic and he does have a pretty solid handle. He can do so many different things and he was complaining about touches and then Jim Boylan said, oh, get more get more defensive rebounds. Like uh, Jim Boylan was just such a mess of a coach and we all knew this and I feel like Lowry Markkinen was by far the biggest product of that and was by far the guy who got hurt most by Jim Boylan's incompetence and his idioticness and now that he has a real coach in Billy Donovan who actually knows what he's doing uh, he's been playing good basketball he's averaging almost 20 points per game 19.6 shooting 50.7% from the field 40% from three and 84% from the line grabbing six and a half rebounds as well he's just a really skilled offensive player at the end of the day he is a very good three-point shooter love his ability in the pick and pop especially if you run that with zach levine those are two guys who are super dynamic on the offensive side of the ball so that's a really uh challenging and difficult thing to guard and that's definitely been very successful for them so far this season and, and then like i said he is very good at taking slower big men off the dribble he's a guy who does have a pretty good handle and he is pretty athletic for him being as tall as he is as a true seven footer he he's a really really uh, good offensive player as a whole and I just like to see him being unlocked so much more because he's got a bigger role and again he is still shooting a lot of threes because that's just Lowry Markkinen's game in his uh, best season in 2019 he was still shooting 6.4 threes a game and I still would even like to see him maybe getting a little more touches because he's only getting 13.6 shots a game uh, when I think he should be getting more around that 15 range and I think he could be a 20 point per game scorer in that uh, I do think the three point shooting will probably cool down a little bit to more around 38% as he has been a good three-point shooter throughout his career, but nothing uh, super special at around like 36% most of the time. But I, I do think he has improved as a three-point shooter uh, just watching the game so far. And there are clear flaws to his game for sure. Like with him being a seven-footer, you would love for him to be able to play center. And you would think that it would just be such a crazy dynamic offense with a guy like him uh, playing the center position. But it just can't really happen uh, due to him being a guy who is not a very very good rim protector he at most he's averaged 0.6 blocks throughout his career and even uh just not talking about blocks he's just not good at protecting the rim as a whole that's just not really his game and as unfortunate as that is you you kind of just have to deal with it you just kind of have to know that's the player he is uh and you're gonna have to have a guy like wendell carter alongside him to be a guy who protects the rim because uh, wendell carter is a very good defender he's not a very good playmaker either that's just something he's never been good at but strictly as an offensive player he's very very talented and i love to see uh billy donovan unlocking him and really just allowing him to be who we all know he can be because he's a super fun player like i loved watching him in that 
that second year where he was averaging almost 19 per game. And then he had that like February stretch where he was averaging 20 and 10. He was awesome that year. Do want to see him get him more involved on the boards? Because like in that 2019 season, he was averaging nine rebounds per game. He's only averaging six and a half now. And it is uh, challenging because he has a lot of good rebounders alongside him. Like Patrick Williams is a really good rebounder at the three. Wendell Carter is a good rebounder. Like they have a lot of size on that roster. So it completely makes sense why he's not grabbing as many boards as you'd want him to. But he's a skilled offensive player, can go in the post occasionally, especially if you got a smaller guy on him. He's not going to just refuse to uh, play in the post. He can shoot the three ball very, very well. I love his ability in the pick and roll and pick and pop. He uh, can work in the pick and roll as a guy who rolls to the basket aggressively. He can dunk on someone too because, again, he's athletic for his size especially. It's it's pretty, pretty special. And with him being only 23, with this being a contract year for him, it is super interesting for me to just think about the future of Lowry Markinen as a Chicago Bull and in the league as a whole because people are going to see him averaging 20 points on a Bulls team that hasn't, hasn't even been that bad. And they're going to be very, very interested in him. And with the Patrick Williams pick, who even though he's played great at the three so far this season, I think his best and most natural position is the four. Super interested to see the future of Lowry Markinen because I think someone's going to give him a bag this offseason. And I mean, hey, he's earned it. He's played very, very well this season and has had a big time bounce back season for the Chicago Bulls. Now I want to talk about the Matthew Stafford trade to the Los Angeles Rams. I think this is an incredibly interesting move right here. We all knew Matthew Stafford was going to get traded. It was just a matter of time and it was uh, when and where. And uh, where is the Los Angeles Rams? And I think this is an amazing deal for the Los Angeles Rams. I absolutely love this. Now, you're giving up a lot of value very clearly. You're giving up two first-round picks and a third-round pick and Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford. And Matthew Stafford is a 32-year-old guy who has dealt with injuries. Uh, and you can definitely be worried about that. But especially with the climate of how quarterbacks work nowadays, with how long uh, these guys can play good uh, football like Drew Brees made a Hall of Fame career in his third in his 30s that's what truly made him a Hall of Famer was all the years he had in his 30s so I think Matt Stafford has plenty of time left and could still be very very good for a long long time uh, for this LA Rams team and I just think this raises the ceiling of the roster so much because Jared Goff in my opinion just isn't a very good quarterback like he's not terrible by any means but he's nothing special at all and I feel like especially without Sean McVay now, he could really, really struggle as he's a guy who just doesn't uh, process his process defenses very well. It's been said so many times that like Sean McVay basically has to tell him exactly what's happening. And without his first read, he just doesn't really know what to do. I just feel like he's not a very high Q uh, football player, but now with Matthew Stafford, who in my opinion is a borderline top 10 player, uh, not top 10 player, top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I think this raises the ceiling of this roster so much more as they have very good weapons around them. They have a good running game with multiple running backs. Uh, they did like a running running back by committee thing this year, and it worked out very well. They got good receivers in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. They have a pretty solid O-line. Uh, and then their defense. I mean, Aaron Donald is, in my opinion, the best player in the NFL as a whole. Aaron Donald is just so impactful and is so incredible. 
Uh, he's double teamed literally basically every play, and he still manages to make such a big impact. And then you have Jalen Ramsey, one of the top three cornerbacks in the NFL. Like even though they're giving up a lot for these guys uh, and their future, you could definitely worry about their future with all the picks that they've given up. They're so clearly investing into the now, and with them already being such a good team and being a team that made the Super Bowl with Jared Goff at their quarterback. I think with Matthew Stafford, this team is absolutely a contender and absolutely a team that every team needs to worry about because they are very, very good, especially again, when you add a top 10 caliber quarterback in Matthew Stafford, who's done so well with terrible things around him. Like the Lions are a mess of an organization whose coaching has been inconsistent, whose front office has made bad decision after bad decision. And he still managed to do very well. He's one of those guys who's always been just a massive fighter in this league. He's a guy who has fought through so many injuries to continue to play. And uh, that is something that does worry me a little bit is about his durability with him starting to break down a little bit after dealing with those injuries. But I still think this is a great move because it raises raises the ceiling and if you're gonna go all in with the trades like the Jalen Ramsey trade you already traded so many first round picks you might as well truly go all in and get a very very good and franchise quarterback to add to this roster I'm a huge fan of this move and I think it really raises the ceiling of this Rams team to being a contender in the NFL even if you had to give up a lot of value and then on the Lions side of this deal uh, I like this deal for them as well I think this is a, a win-win trade uh, though Matthew Stafford has been a very, very good player for them, uh, he is a guy who we all knew was going to get moved as they mutually agreed uh, to move on. And I think that uh, relationship had ran its course. I think there was nowhere to really go with that relationship but down. So I think it was the right time to move him. And you're getting quite a lot of value for him, even though those picks are probably going to be later because the Rams are going to be a very good team. At the end of the day, they're still first round picks, which it's much different to the NBA where like a late first round pick is something that a lot of teams will just throw into a trade. A first round pick in the NFL, that's a that's a big, big deal right there. And getting two of them for a guy who is aging and on a big contract, I think that's an amazing move. And even though you are taking on the contract of Jared Goff, and that's why uh, the Rams had to give up an extra first round pick, uh, I think it's still a good move because uh, even though Jared Goff, I'm not impressed with at all and I don't think is that good. Uh, he can be at least fine for these next couple of years and you can cut him in 2023 with basically getting no penalty so if you maybe find your franchise quarterback either this year or next year uh, then you can just cut Jared Goff and not really have any penalty at all so you get two first round picks you get a third as well and that's all super super valuable stuff for them and it really does help them try and just build up this team I don't think the uh, the lines are really going to go anywhere because they've continuously failed so in Unless they uh, prove to me that they're going to do anything, I'm just not going to believe in them. Uh, but I think this is going in the right right direction. You got TJ Hawkinson, a super bright young tight end. You can make a big move with your draft pick this year. I would draft Jalen Waddle probably because uh, I expect both of your receivers to leave, especially now that uh, Matthew Stafford is gone. I expect those guys to get bags and Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. Uh, so I think getting a true playmaker like Jalen Waddle to put alongside TJ Hawkinson could really help out Jared Goff. And obviously you still have a long way to go, but I think you have your running back of the future. I think you have some pieces on the defensive 
offensive side of the ball as well uh, with Jeff Okuda, who they drafted last year, who though had some uh, really bad moments in his rookie season. It's cornerback, which is a super hard position to transfer to, and I still think he has a ton of potential, and he was definitely getting much, much better game by game. So I think the Lions are going in somewhat of the – uh, the right direction to try and just build up these young assets uh, and get some really nice uh, players added to this team. They just, at the end of the day, they have to nail their draft picks. They have to hope that the new coach that they have is good. And they just have to make smart moves in free agency and in the draft. It's going to be a slow, long process for them, uh, but they just have to try and nail all these moves. And I'm a big fan of this trade for both sides. I think it really helps uh, the Rams become a true contender. And I think it gives the Lions assets for the future. And, um, and it just gives them more of a solidified direction because, again, that relationship between them and Matt Stafford had had ran its course. And Jared Goff will be at least fine for these uh, next couple of years. And then you could just cut him, get very little penalty, and then have some assets for the future. That has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. It's been Michael. Peace out.